the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Over 650,000 Californians moved out of the state this year. Certainly, unemployment and COVID-19 plays a role in that. But then when you hear that um, Oracle, Larry Ellison, packing bags, they're relocating to Texas... Hewlett-Packard Enterprise also leaving the San Francisco Bay Area. Maybe the California exodus is indicative of a broader, deeper, and more significant problem going on here in our state. Let me just share with you as we welcome our first guest tonight uh, one example of many that we could cite that just shows the degree to which we've taken our focus off of the things that really count, that really matter, and have become so caught up in political correctness 2020 that we're losing our heads over it. First, let me welcome Pete Peterson. He is, of course, the dean of the Pepperdine School of Public Policy, the Davenport Institute at Pepperdine University, where he also serves as senior fellow. And Pete, always good to have you on the program. Great to be back with you. My goodness. Now, this this latest little piece that, that perhaps slipped a lot of Bay Areans, and if you don't live in the city of San Francisco, if you never attended San Francisco public schools, you might say, ah, so what? But for the rest of us that pay attention, I think it is indicative of, as I suggested in my opening remarks, this slow, steady march into madness where we don't focus on the really urgent things, like, for example, Mayor London Breed's recent comments of the need to make sure that we're educating every single child in the city of San Francisco in and through all of this COVID mess. But then you see things like the announcement that San Francisco is about to tear off of the public schools, 44 of them all told before it's all over with perhaps even more, such well-known known names as, I don't know, Abraham Lincoln, the inventor Thomas Edison, even Senator Dianne Feinstein, all about to have their names chiseled off the front door in what can only be considered an act of political correctness madness. Tell us what's going on. Well, I think what we're seeing here is just uh, another demonstration of uh, cancel culture looking back, right? I mean, we're we're seeing parts of American history be eradicated, uh, incredible American leaders, and I would even put Senator Feinstein in that category, but we certainly don't see eye-to-eye on policy, but from her time as mayor uh, through Senate, I mean, this is an amazing American life, and the reasons given for removing her name from the school, you know, dating back 30, 40 years to uh, something that she had supposedly done around a Confederate flag, Um, much less, you know, what we're seeing with the Abraham Lincoln 
uh, school name change and the so-called arguments around that really should concern us all um, as Americans who uh, want to make sure that our history is is taught to that next generation in a way that uh, produces engaged and informed American citizens. Well, moreover, it, it gives rise to the notion that we, we ought to be extremely concerned that no generation apparently moving forward dare honor anyone who's made contributions to life and society at a given point in time, because to be sure, somebody 20, 30, 40 years or 100 or 200 years later on will say, well... Yeah, they were okay, but they didn't quite live up to today's standard, and we're going to enjoy enjoying them to essentially be punished by today's standards, even though they lived centuries ago. Now, certainly I think, Pete, if we got into some discussion regarding things like honoring uh, Confederate uh, War General Robert E. Lee, yeah, uh, there's, there's probably a point there. But to suggest to every former student of Lincoln High School listening that Lincoln High ought to shed the name Abraham Lincoln High simply because, and I'm quoting here, that he wasn't sensitive enough to the needs of African Americans. He, by the way, who brought about the Emancipation Proclamation freeing the slaves and defended the North against the attempt by the South to succeed from the Union, and yet we're somehow going to use a, what I consider to be twisted, modern-day standard on people that lived decades, if not in this case, well over a century ago. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, and of course, it presupposes two things, right? I mean, in, in one sense, it presupposes that uh, there is this exalted modern-day standard that needs to be applied to everyone in history. At the same time, it also understands that, that the people living today, like us, uh, will not have our own names removed by some future standard 50, 75 a hundred years in the future. There's just no humility to it, Larry, uh, uh, Craig. And, and, and as Christians and those engaged in politics, uh, we should in the very least have a certain degree of humility that allows that people were responding in, in a particular historical context in the same way that we are doing right now. And if this constant judging looking back without a, without an awareness that we too will be judged uh maybe by an, a completely different set of standards 50 years hence uh that should all make us very concerned for how we teach and understand our history well precisely so and you know i i read that one of the names that's going to be given the act is is acts is thomas edison uh, who they say should be scratched off of the Thomas Edison Charter Academy due to, quote, his fondness for electrocuting animals. Of course, completely devoid of the historical context of the big electrical battle of the late 1800s between Thomas Edison and George Westinghouse over whether it ought to be AC or DC electricity. I, I mean, talk about a stretch. And I, and I, and I guess the big question Pete, that I would pose to you from a public policy standpoint is, as we sit here today, what historical figure is capable of passing a so-called 2020 cultural and political correctness litmus test based on the norms 
of the 1800s or the 1900s. I mean, who? I mean, George Washington owned slaves. Well, he's mm. out. Lincoln, we mm. know, was insensitive, so he's out. Mm. FDR, well, he was apparently embarrassed to be open about his disability from polio, so he's out. JFK didn't pass any civil rights measures, so he's out. Where does it stop? It doesn't stop, Craig, and, and that's the thing for our friends on the left who say, well, I'm going to replace you know, George Washington or Lincoln with so-and-so, whoever that other person is, uh, that person's name, background, and history also needs to be explored. I mean, it really is a rabbit hole uh, upon which, uh, from which there really is no recovery, and I think in many ways speaks to the real dearth of civics and American history, in particular education in the country. I mean, uh, dear friend of mine, David Davenport at the Hoover Foundation or institution has just issued a terrific report on the civics crisis in our schools. Uh, what we're not teaching in our schools is now being made manifest in policies like this. It's a real ignorance of history at the same time, combined with a lack of humility. Well, and and clear inability to try and really, as Scripture would tell us, rightly divide the word. Uh, you know, I, I think of somebody, for example, like Elon Musk, who today is celebrated as an innovator and a man who is very forward-thinking and and uh, has has come up with some wonderful novel ideas when it comes to transportation and whatnot. Do we find out 30 years hence that Elon Musk's name needs to come down off of the Tesla uh, building because we discovered that he didn't return a library book on time? I mean, where, where does it stop? It doesn't. You know, again, this is, a, this is a, almost a, a type of uh, perspective on the world that once you approach it, it becomes uh, the set of lenses through which you look at all history. And uh, there really isn't any recovery from it. At the same time, uh, those of us more on the right side of the aisle uh, if this is going to be the new standard, then everybody <laughs> from the past, whether it's a, a progressive icon, you know, or a conservative icon, needs to be held to the standard. And I just think it's a fool's errand. Uh, uh, and frankly, we need to we need to call uh, a peace on this um, uh, as a way of, of frankly engaging and preparing the next generation of citizens who know that those who came before us were responding to a particular historical context, just as we are doing right now, and those, our kids and grandkids, will be doing the same thing. Least we destroy the memory of every great contributor yes. to American history and culture and society. And it begs the question, the need really for people that engage in public policy to be a little bit more level-headed, a little bit more forward-thinking, have a little bit broader and, quite frankly, realistic perspective on so many of these questions. And of course, the Pepperdine School of Public Policy helps do just that, train future leaders in the arena of public policy. And forgive me, Pete, I know I've said this before, but it seems like every time we talk, there's something new, some new outlandish bit of news that we're covering that again demonstrates just how critically important it is that we begin today training the next generation of public policy leaders. And of course, a place like Pepperdine is a great 
location to do that. For folks that are thinking about new semester come 2021, where can they find more information about Pepperdine? Well, thanks, Craig. We are already accepting applications for the fall 2021 semester. The website is publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. And, you know, I, I just have to be straightforward with this. Folks, if you have a, a student at home that is matriculating through the grades and looking next toward um, a college or university career, and they have a sense of a moral foundation and history and value and worth based on uh, this shared American experience, um, we desperately need your son or daughter to get an education and help properly craft and shape public policy of the future. More information available online, as Pete Peterson mentioned, by going to publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Enrollment is open right now, so get more information. Check it out, publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Our thanks to Pete Peterson, the dean of the Pepperdine School of Public Policy, for joining us with that update. 518, let's get you updated on some traffic right now over at the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 5 p.m. And at the risk of being redundantly redundant, that issue of the California exodus we touched on with Pete Peterson a moment is is really, I think, the driving force behind why many of us are reevaluating our relationship with this state. I mean, look, just in, in the last 60 days, we've seen the removing of Prop 13 protections from families. We continue to watch taxes absolutely out of control in this state. It is a hotbed for extremist political philosophy. Protections for children are fantastic on one hand, and yet gender dysphoria that rules the day on the other, and a legal and tort system where, quite frankly, our California court climate continues to strangle businesses, cost jobs, and hand out legal settlements that are absolutely outrageous. What to do? Well, with some insights, we're joined by Victor Gomez. Victor is the executive director of Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse. And, Victor, we appreciate you taking time to be with us this evening. It just seems like this is yet another item on this long and growing list of issues related to California, which is ever increasingly making this an environment where more individuals, corporations, businesses all wish to flee the state for better set of circumstances. What's going on here? Well, Craig, first of all, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak with you um, really about our work at Kayla, uh, the climate, the business climate here in California, and then also the uh, the report we have here uh, by the American Tort Reform Foundation, uh, naming again California as the top uh, judicial hellhole uh, this year once again. Um, it's certainly down, it's down one position from last year, but trust me, it's not because California is getting any better. Uh, Philadelphia and New York uh, are certainly getting worse, but California is certainly not getting any better. So, again, happy to be here with you, Craig. Uh, the, the climate here in California, again, is not changing. And the 2020 report that we just released last week really does shine a light on lawsuit abuse um, and its effects uh, here in California. Uh, California dropped again from number uh, two to number three this year, but certainly not because California is improving in, in any way, Craig. And I almost have to wonder, in a state that is so mired in 
over ridiculously over levels of of um, legislation that relates to uh, controls over every aspect of business and life and then of course so many opportunities to manipulate and take advantage of these rules and regulations and laws here in California and I hate to say it but it really seems to open up a very broad door or window of opportunity for those that would essentially abuse our legal system for personal profit, for per personal gain, and yet at the end of the day, Victor, I think all Californians wind up suffering from it, don't we? Oh, you absolutely do, Craig. That's an excellent point that you bring up. I mean, just if you really put it put it into numbers, uh, the way that you know this legal or lawsuit abuse harms hardworking Californians by it, it's clogging the the court system, and these meritless, frivolous lawsuits are running abundant in in the state of California. Excessive lawsuit abuse, it really does cost families directly. A lot of people don't realize that, but a family of four is paying about $2,500 a year um, as a burden on them because of these abusive lawsuits. That's $600 a year per person that we're paying as sort of a quote-unquote tort tax. Um, not just that, but it's costing businesses. Uh, look, Greg, I, I spent 17 years in the franchise business. I used to own pizza franchises for a very, very long time. And I can tell you right now that if I'm distracted by these frivolous lawsuits, number one, I'm not putting that money to work in my company, either to expand it, to hire additional employees, to, to do what I need to do to operate as a franchisee. I cannot do it. And so essentially in California, it's costing us 250,000 jobs every single year. Wow. This, this cost that we're paying, uh, that everybody is, is paying, is costing us a quarter million jobs on an annual basis. And Victor, you've got to believe when major corporations with deep roots here in California, like Hewlett Packard Enterprise and Oracle, decide that they're going to pick up and move for, quite frankly, more friendly climates like Texas, it ought to cause all of us to pause and ask the question, what is going on here? Let me give you a, a, a case in point here. I read recently of a story of a gentleman who was abusing the American with Disability Act uh, laws, and he would go around to businesses here in our state and would bring with him a measuring tape and would go in and would measure distances between handrails and so forth, maybe in bathrooms and handicap ramps, things of this sort. And if he found anything out of quote-unquote compliance by even an inch or two, would then write a letter to the business owner and threaten to sue them unless they essentially paid him off. And this guy was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, essentially creating his own little cottage industry by suing small business owners simply because there was a short, uh, you know, a, a shortfall with one regulation or another. I mean, is that sort of an example of just how abusive and widespread this really is across our state? Oh, that absolutely is. Look, I, I spent uh, I spent a number of years uh, working as director of public policy for the Silicon Valley Chamber of Commerce, and one of my favorite coffee shops about a block away, mom and pop shop right down the street. I love to patronize. I know what it's like to be in business. I want to support my local businesses, and so I would patronize this place quite a bit. Unfortunately, uh, late last year, they were hit by with an ADA lawsuit. Why? Because they didn't meet the minor changes that needed to be made. And instead of, you know, su succeeding as a business, they had to shut their doors. 
But that's mm. what California does. California allows the attorney general, the trial attorneys, they allow and want to see this climate thrive in California. I'll give you a perfect example here. As from January 1st to June 30th of this year, California had the most federal uh, or ADA lawsuits in nationwide. 2,702 lawsuits were filed in California. These are the most these are mostly lawsuits really alleging, as you mentioned, small minor changes. A mirror may have been a half inch to an inch off. Uh, ADA ramp may have been off a, a, a degree or two. The, the blue color that was selected for the ADA parking space was not the correct blue. I mean, these are small little changes that need to be made that California doesn't allow for you to cure. They just say, hey, sue, right? And just as a comparison, I mentioned those 2,700 lawsuits halfway through the um, through the year, that didn't even amount to the same as the other 12 uh, states that we compared to as well. The other jurisdictions had a combined cases of 1,845. Yeah, wow. we, as one state, surpassed that. Uh, amazing. So help us understand this, because I think most Californians are either wholly ignorant of this or would certainly say, hey, look, I never elected XYZ party politician to go to Sacramento and enact these crazy laws. This is absolutely out of control. So if most Californians don't like it, or if they begin to recognize just how much it's costing all of us with these frivolous lawsuits, then I guess the major question is, Victor, what is Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse doing about this? And most importantly, how can just John Q. Public join your ranks in order to help put a put a stop to this nonsense? Well, great question, Craig. I mean, really what we want to do and what we do as Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse is shine the spotlight on the problem, right? It's, it's easy for politicians to stay focused on what they believe is their priority, their issues, what they want to deal with. They are not focusing on the issues that really are not getting attention. And unfortunately, this issue around ADA lawsuits, PAGA, Prop 65, whatever it may be, is not getting the, the attention that it, that it certainly deserves. So first, right, we, we need advocates. We need folks out there that have been impacted by these frivolous lawsuits or have heard of these. Come and join us and talk to the attorney general. Allow us to talk to the governor and to the state leaders and say, hey, look, this is your business, Senator, in your district that has been impacted, lost twenty, thirty. $40,000 because of this abusive lawsuit, now they can't hire those one, two, three employees to operate in their business because they have to pay for this, or they have to close their doors. So telling the story is really, really important for us to be able to, again, shine the light on the problem and advocate really on behalf of our small business community here in California. Also encourage your listeners to visit us. Go to CaliforniaKayla.org and learn really more about what we're doing. Email me, reach out to me, share those stories, because really I, we believe that that's how we're going to get the change that we need here locally. Also, I will add, trial attorney lobbying. I mean, the trial attorneys are doing everything they can to get their candidates in there so they don't fix any of these problems. So, yeah, we definitely need to make sure that we are electing the right people that are promoting our local small small businesses here in California. 
Yeah, the vast majority of the United States House of Representatives and Senate, equaled here with the California State Legislature, all occupied by attorneys. Now, that wouldn't be a problem, now, would it? <laughs> well, this is certainly an issue where everybody needs to get involved. This is not just of concern for entrepreneurs, small business owners, but each and every citizen, each and every taxpayer of the state of California. We are all being abused by this system. To get more information, to get involved, details available, as Victor mentioned on the web, at California C-A-L-A, think of Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse, CaliforniaCala.com, CaliforniaCala.com. Our thanks to Executive Director Victor Gomez for that update. 533, let's get you an update on traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And uh, while you're on that run to your favorite pharmacy, you may want to pick up some vitamin D. We're going to tell you why. 314,364. 314,364. That is the total loss of life so far in the United States due to complications related to COVID-19. In the last 24 hours... More Americans have died than perished at Pearl Harbor or at the World Trade Center. Yeah, we're still beating the world and by a significant margin. Taking appropriate countermeasures such as social distancing, wearing a face mask, critically important. Taking care of your own health and immune system equally as important. We're joined now by Dr. Jeff Gusky. He is a physician in practice in emergency room in Dallas, Texas. He is a fellow of the American College of Emergency Physicians. He's also coincidentally a celebrated photographer whose discoveries and photographs are known around the world. And Dr. Gusky, always a delight and an education to have you with us. Uh, when I say taking... You, I hope you're well. I, I am well, thank you. And, you know, I, I wish more Americans were, too. And I guess part of this is taking the advice of the medical experts to try and reduce our exposure and our risk. But a big part of that also goes to, and we've been discussing this together off and on for months now, mm -hmm. really goes to the notion of doing all that we can to make sure that our own immune system is up to snuff. And toward yeah. that end, there's been some amazing research that you and some of the, your other associates have been working on using as a case study the city of Roma, Texas. You had brought this up last time we talked. Give us a bit of an update as to what's going on there and what are some of the simple measures that every American should be taking right now to better prepare their immune system against COVID-19. It's so simple, and it's, it's what we can do even before the vaccine and after the vaccine to create safety. And, and so just to frame this, you know, we're hearing such dark, fear-filled news. And there are three countries um, that have lost less than one person per million while the United States is about to break through a rate of a thousand deaths per million less than one person versus a thousand and what are they doing uh, the nations are vietnam thailand and taiwan vietnam is a hundred million people they've lost 35 people since the beginning of the crisis thailand 
70 million people. They've lost 60 people. Taiwan, about 24 million people. They've lost seven people. And, and what they're doing that is different than any other place in the world is, is what is naturally benefiting them because they're in tropical climates with high absolute humidity, making the air they breathe indoors, uh, having a safer absolute humidity. And they have safer levels of vitamin D naturally. They're closer to the equator. And it turns out that their rate of insufficiency is is making them much safer. So Roma, Texas is an amazing town in the most Hispanic American county in the United States. And this is a profile in courage. There is uh, a, a physician who is... I just, I, I can't even put words to what this man represents. His leadership, his love of his community. He's been there 40 years. His name is Dr. Ray Muffet. He's working seven days a week, morning till night, to save his community. And a, and a visionary mayor that has led his community to follow these very cutting-edge measures, named uh, Mayor Jaime Escobar, Jr., and, and a county judge named Eloy Vera. And they are making history because they have initiated um, the uh, what is called visualizing hope, showing America how to reopen safely by going on offense against the virus, which is a, a network of um, high-tech sensors in their critical infrastructure, all their schools, the hospital, the county courthouse, the police station, the fire station, nursing homes, retail restaurants, Etc. All the people, the public places people go, so the public can see if the air indoors is safer. And now we've added another program, um, which is a, uh, a a parallel program to do what these three countries—Thailand, Vietnam, and uh, and Taiwan—are doing, which is the vitamin D piece. So uh, that's called get started, get tested, get right. And um, it, it is a pledge by employers to get their employees tested now. And it's very inexpensive, and it's, it's, a, uh, it's safety now by encouraging their employees to take 10,000 units of vitamin D, which is uh, a recommended dose by the American Endocrine Society as an, as an acceptable daily dose, and get tested right away, and then to a plan to rapidly move the people who are deficient into the new safer range, which is now 55 to 100. It used to be 25 or 30 on the lower limit, and that's fine for bone density. But with COVID, vitamin D is life and death. And as a community of color, we believe, and we're in the process of getting the results back now. Yesterday, we did the first historic mass testing. The city of Roma signed the pledge, and almost all their employees were tested. And we believe that nearly 100% of those people who are, it's a community of color, are going to come back at risk. And we are, uh, and Dr. Dr. Musset is in overdrive to do the, these, this rapid protocol so that, that almost the entire community at risk can be brought into a safer range within 10 days. 
So uh, I would just add one thing that for your listeners who have businesses, they can go to the city of Roma and they can take the pledge and we will send them a white paper and tell them everything we're doing so they can learn from the experience and the leadership of this courageous community and get their numbers. Our hope is that within six weeks, we can have zero deaths. And, you know, what's amazing about this study that's been released that has demonstrated that particularly amongst minority groups, um, and to be more specific, Hispanic Americans and African Americans, uh, the deficiency level of vitamin D is significant. And one would think that, well, you know, I mean, all of us spend some time outdoors. Shouldn't that be adequate if you're the average active American? And yet, you know, we've been sheltering in place and staying indoors and so forth. And then when you see the significant level of vitamin D deficiency and the direct correlation between that and complications related to COVID-19, whether it means how quickly you get sick, how quickly you recover, even to uh, whether or not you recover at all or even need to be admitted to the hospital, really shows, I think, Dr. Gusky, that a very simple, easy step, increase your vitamin D levels and make sure that you have high levels of humidity within your home and the environment in which you're working are easy steps that all of us can be taking in in an easy way to try and reduce the potentiality of contracting COVID. Even as you say, the, the vaccine may be on its way, but it's not here for many of us yet and won't be for some time to come. Well, here's the sober news. Um, I, I was looking at your numbers for California, and I say this against the backdrop of hope, but can I share the, the perspective and why this is so urgent now? Please do. Is that okay? Okay, so I, I gather that California broke to an all-time high today of around 50,000 cases. Yesterday, the death rate broke to an all-time high of 293. Um, there are 1,300 ICU beds left in the state. Based upon the rate of new cases, there will be a need for five to 6,000 new beds just from the new cases today. And uh, a month from now, it's very likely, or at least it's reasonably likely, that as many people as have passed away since the beginning of the crisis may be gone between now and 30 days from now. So this is urgent. And, and simple measures, everyone needs to take a vitamin D supplement. Um, uh, it, it, they're much safer than we realize uh, there are many myths about toxicity that are actually not proven out by the literature. And it's just a matter of getting tested to find out where you are and then adjusting your dose. And, and for pennies a day, you can reach safety. So one of the things we're pioneering with this is this concept of what's called cell-mediated herd immunity. So we hear about herd immunity, which is basically community immunity. It's the way that you put a firewall up against the mass spread of the virus. Well, there's a different branch of herd immunity that we're not hearing about, and that's why 200 million people in the three countries we talked about earlier have been immune since day one without a vaccine. It's, it's just that their vitamin D levels and their indoor humidity, the air they breathe indoors, is safer. What does that mean? 55 to 65% indoor relative humidity the risk of black mold is no risk in those levels and then taking the vitamin d 
at um, enough to get your vitamin D level at 55 to 100. Now, there, there's one big myth, and I want everyone listening to listen carefully, because if you're taking vitamin D, even for years, and you're not tested, you may be dangerously low. A dentist friend of mine um, in uh, Roma, Texas, very healthy, thin, works out every day. He started taking 6,000 units in April and then bumped it up on his own accord to 12,000 units. And he got tested about five days ago, and he was 27. And I had the same experience myself. I've been taking vitamin D for decades. We're, our, our information about how much is safe and how much we need to take in the era of COVID is wrong. And we need to get to 55 to 100 quick. And, uh, and so, please, if you're an employer, take the pledge. We'll send you the white paper, and you can get your medical team to test and treat quickly. And the easiest way to get more information, Dr. Guskey, is if they just simply do a, uh, a Google search for Roma, Texas? Yes, City of Roma, R-O-M-A, and they can click on the uh, Visualizing Hope and the Get Started, Get Tested, Get Right. There, the science is there. There's research. There's videos. There's, you know, uh, and then the ability to take the pledge. We want companies all over the United States to take the pledge. We'll send them the information, and they can get their employees safer, faster, because every employee that has low vitamin D is making all of your employees and your customers at risk. And it is such a simple and easy step that you can take. Again, if you do a Google for City of Roma, think we are Italian, Roma, Italy, Rome, Italy, right? City of Roma, you get all the information right there. Dr. Gusky, as always, we appreciate the time. By the way, just before I run, I've got to add, you'll be very proud of me. I checked just before you came on the air. I'm doing the broadcast from home today, and the uh, the absolute humidity in my house right now is 62%. Did I pass? Great. Fantastic. <laughs> See, I'm so happy I, I pay you. attention. <laughs> I pay attention. <laughs> Dr. Awesome, Gusky, thank you so much. You're helping to save lives and educate Americans here in Northern California. We appreciate so much your time and hard work. Again, he, he's not getting paid to do this. He's just doing this out of a heart and love and concern for other people as a physician who recognizes the importance that we all take the proper steps to protect ourselves in every way that we can. And these are such simple steps. Just do a Google search for City of Roma. It'll be Roma, Texas, and you'll get all the information you need. There's Dr. Jeff Gusky, emergency room physician from Dallas, Texas. Let's get a look at traffic now. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, thank you, sir. We're back, 5.55 on your clock, radio. Uh, Craig Roberts here on your radio, and um, let's get an update for you. We have been, of course, um, encouraging all of our listeners during the current economic... Oh, little dial tone there. I can name that tune in one note. (laughs) We have been encouraging our listeners to stand with us in partnership with the Bay Area Rescue Mission during what admittedly is one of the darkest most challenging times that our nation has ever faced. You heard the news report uh, just earlier 
the number of Americans that are no longer with us this Christmas that were here Christmas of a year ago. It's tragic. And of course, behind all of that is concern over the number of families that are facing enormous economic challenges because of businesses being closed, people being laid off, staff reductions, restaurants across the San Francisco Bay Area absolutely going nuts. San Mateo County, by the way, going into shelter-in-place lockdown effective at midnight Thursday. And so the added stress to make ends meet has just absolutely been enormous. And literally families are having to wrestle with these huge questions as they're watching their checking accounts dwindle. How are we going to pay the rent this month or the mortgage this month, the heating bill, cold winter season now, let alone putting food on the table? Thank God that organizations like the Bay Area Rescue Mission are here to help close that gap. And we've got an update from John Anderson with the Bay Area Rescue Mission. And John, I appreciate you taking extra time to be with us. I know things are, are very busy over there. You have seen such a fantastic increase, and I don't mean fantastic as good, I mean fantastic as shocking increase in the number of people that have reached out to the Bay Area Rescue Mission for help. It has to, at some levels, be just absolutely overwhelming and heartbreaking. It is both of those things, Craig, but in the same, at the same time, it's also exciting and encouraging, mainly because, you know, since this COVID outbreak began early in the year, 506 men, women, boys, and girls have accepted Jesus as their savior at the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Many of them, them came by to have a meal, to get a food box, to just receive help and hope, 506 souls have been saved through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ since the beginning of the pandemic. Craig, we are 61 boxes of hope short right now of having the 1,500 that we need uh, that will be distributing next Tuesday. Tuesday, December the 22nd, we're giving away 1,500 boxes of hope. They're all paid for, all ready to go, except for the last 61. Well, that would seem to be a very easy number to uh, to accomplish here tonight. And I want to mention, um, we were enormously blessed by a group of benefactors that came forward recognizing the enormity of the need and the urgency that said, you know what, when you guys come together to provide meals and toys for needy families at Christmas, uh, we want to be there too. And we're willing to match every donation raised in a triple match grant challenge. Now, in simple terms, what does that mean? You give a buck, it becomes $3. You give $5, it becomes 15 You give $100, it becomes 300 So the easy math is simply this. With the triple match challenge right now, um, if you look at the average cost, and I, I bought one over Thanksgiving, it's about uh, $15 a turkey. If somebody right now made a $915 contribution to the Bay Area Rescue Mission, we would close the gap and all 1,500 families would be taken care of. It's such an easy number to reach. 
And I'm just wondering, uh, John, even as we visit on the radio right now, if somebody won't just go to kfax.com, click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner, and give a $915 gift right now, that will take care of the final 61 remaining families. It's so simple, such an easy opportunity. Again, to go to kfax.com and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner and give a one-time gift right now of $915. Now, John, maybe uh, there's not one person out there can do that, but maybe three would give $305 each, and we'd reach that goal, wouldn't we? We sure would, and, and what a blessing that would be. You know, those boxes of hope do contain everything that you need for a wonderful Christmas meal. In fact, 20 plates of a great Christmas meal that people who are near homeless, who are hurting, that are really impoverished this Christmas season can receive this food. But more than just the food, if you have a kid, if they have children in that home, we're going to make sure that each child has a Bible, uh, an age-appropriate uh, children's Bible. We're going to share the gospel, and I think we'll see hundreds of people come to faith in Jesus Christ throughout this great uh, Christmas feast process that we go through in distributing these boxes of hope. And you know, John, as you pointed out a moment ago, while our hearts are broken by the tragic loss of life, the number of lives and yeah. families that have been disrupted this year, uh, it, in a sense, has been a blessing in disguise, and, and I want to choose my words carefully here. I'm not suggesting that a loss of life is a blessing. What I'm suggesting is that many people, myself included, I'll admit, pause to ponder their mortality, perhaps to, in a better sense, appreciate this gift of life that God has given each and every one of us, and to think about our eternity and who we have in our relationship with Christ and what I, that means to us, and for the non-believer to ponder such matters and ask the important questions. And as we endeavor to not just feed hungry families, provide children's Bibles or children's toys for kids at Christmas, but most importantly, to share the gospel with them, to share that message of hope. That's what this campaign is really about and has always been about, but more urgent this year than ever before. So if you haven't been counted in the number of those that have stood with the Bay Area Rescue Mission, would you do so right now? And again, uh, we are 61 turkeys shy of reaching our goal of meeting the needs of 1,500 needy families here in the Bay Area. You KFAX listeners, wow, you guys have done an unbelievable job. And thank you so much for your giving and your generosity. You prove over and over and over again how willing you are to stand and make a difference, to stand and be counted. Now I'm simply reaching out to someone who has not yet been counted to say, would you be willing to come on board? 61 boxes to go. Think of it, we need 61 turkeys. And if we have somebody right now who gives a $915 gift with the Triple Grant Challenge, we'll be there. We will have reached the goal. 
So would you go right online to kfax.com and click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage? Do it right now. If you say, Craig, I'd love to, but that's a little bit too much, then simple. Let me ask you to give $305. Or if 61 listeners would give $40 each, we can get there too. We really need to hear from you right now. The giveaway of all these meals is just around the corner. We want to make sure that every single family is provided for. Online at kfax.com. That's kfax.com. And click on the Bay Area Rescue Mission banner at the top of our homepage. Our thanks to John Anderson, Executive Director of the Bay Area Rescue Mission, for that update. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. How still we see thee lie Above thy deep and dreamless sleep The silent stars go by Well, of course, as we quickly approach um, the Christmas season here, and we're, um, my goodness, um, barely uh, nine days away now from Christmas, um, our hearts turn toward Uh, remembering that babe in the manger, the amazing gift that Christ is to the world. And uh, one of the ways that many families down through the years have um, sort of uh, officially marked the start of their family Christmas celebration has been by taking a walking tour through Bethlehem A.D. that literally brings to life what must have happened in that town so many years ago. Well, this year, because of the situation related to COVID-19, the the live and in-person Bethlehem AD will not be happening, but we ask you to mark your calendars for next year. But meanwhile, a virtual event has been put together, and joining me now is the creative director of Bethlehem AD, Paula Dresden, to tell us more. And Paula, if nobody said it to you yet, let me wish you a Merry Christmas. Oh, a Merry Christmas to you and all of the audience. I'm very happy to be able to tell you about uh, the bright spot people might have in their homes when they have to be stuck at home. (laughs) And that would be to watch uh, our virtual walkthrough tour of Bethlehem AD. We've been working hard to put it together. It's about a half an hour video. And um, it's very informative, but easy to watch. And um, kind of feels like you're there, which is what we wanted. It's not a lot of talking or stuff. It's mostly visual with music and um, all the sights and sounds of Bethlehem brought to you in your living room. And, and you know, this has been such an effort of, of love by you, the other leadership at the church, and so many, I, I guess, thousands of volunteers has to be down through the years, isn't it, Paul? Yeah. Yes, it has. 27 years we've been doing Bethlehem My AD, goodness. and we've seen thousands of people and hundreds of thousands of people come and visit. So it it will be missed in our community, and um, this is the best we can do under the circumstances, which is to compile the video we have and um, do a walkthrough. Yeah, and you know, I, I, a lot of us, especially those of us that live on the peninsula, are going to get to uh, uh, the 21st or so, and normally <laughs> we look for the big searchlights yes. in, in downtown Redwood City. Uh, that's kind of the, 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 the homing device, so to speak. That will not be there this year. However, the spirit of Christmas, the spirit of what happened 
in Bethlehem so many years ago is alive and well, and you can enjoy it virtually at home from the convenience of uh, your tablet or computer. Just go to Bethlehem AD, and uh, you'll be able to see that very special virtual walkthrough. It premieres, by the way, on the 21st at 6 p.m., which is normally the date and time uh, of the launch of Bethlehem AD. And this year, you can um, maybe put on some hot apple cider and uh, play some of your favorite Christmas carols in the background softly and gather the family around and uh, enjoy the virtual walkthrough tour of Bethlehem A.D. And uh, uh, folks uh, can certainly uh, continue to use this as an important way uh, to mark sort of the the official um, welcoming and and start of their Christmas celebration. And uh, I imagine a lot of hard work. Uh, You certainly didn't prepare for this uh, knowing a year ago, uh, Paula, that um, it would be a virtual Bethlehem A.D., but I guess uh, you and some of your, your team have worked tirelessly to compile videos and gather photographs and so forth to really make it a special experience, even though it's not live and in person. Well, that's true. Uh, we're just taking bits and pieces of things that we have. Um, it's not perfect because, like I say, like you said, we weren't planning for this. But I think we've done a pretty good job in bringing you the experience of Bethlehem, and maybe you'll see something that you missed before, or uh, maybe you'll even see yourself if you were a character in Bethlehem. <laughs> so it could be a lot Absolutely. of fun to watch it. And, uh, and like Bethlehem AD in the live walkthrough uh, tour, uh, there's no cost or obligation. Just go online to BethlehemAD.com. That's BethlehemAD.com. And uh, check it out. The 2020 from previous year's reprised <laughs> virtual walkthrough of Bethlehem AD premieres on December the 21st. That's... Monday, December the 21st at 6 p.m. We invite you to be a part of it. And then, of course, that will continue to be available online through Christmas at BethlehemAD.com. That's BethlehemAD.com. And a big shout-out to Paula Dresden, all of her great team, and all the members of the church of Tapestry there that have been working so hard and tirelessly down through the years to bring this tremendous gift to the San Francisco Bay Area each and every year. And uh, Paula, we look back, we look forward rather to uh, to having it return back once again come Christmas of 2021. Information available again, check it out online, begins December 21st, 6 p.m., BethlehemAD.com. That's BethlehemAD.com. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see the light. All right, let's get a look at traffic. 